turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. I just preached out of this passage of Scripture three or four weeks ago in our afternoon service about the grief. Isaiah chapter 53, and I do want to read the entire chapter as we look down through here, and then there's a couple of the verses specifically that God's put upon our hearts uh, for this afternoon in preparation. I would ask this, that as you know, we're going to be partaking of the Lord's table here in just a few moments, that... uh, We've worshipped the Lord through our giving, we've worshipped the Lord through the preaching, we've worshipped the Lord through our singing and uh, offering our sacrifice of praise up to the Lord. And I pray that your, your heart would be right, that you'd even now be asking the Lord to search your heart and uh, search your heart based upon the sacrifice that Jesus made for each and every one of us. And then ask ourselves when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our heart and says, well, this shouldn't be there. Go ahead and put that in light and in balance with the sacrifice that Jesus made. And is it really worth holding on to that? Um, The purpose of this is to rejoice that the Lord is coming back. We're supposed to observe this until the Lord comes. And so we have this promise that the Lord Jesus is coming back. But it's also a time of reflection. It's also a time of self-examination of just preparing our hearts and saying, Lord, I want to be right with you. This promotes purity inside the body of Christ. That right now, I mean, a worship-filled day, uh, we ought to be to the point of, Lord, our hearts are right with you, accept our sacrifice uh, to you, and asking the Lord to be able to meet with us. But Lord, show us if there's something that's not right with you, that we can confess it, we can repent of it, and we can get it right and uh, have that sweet communion and fellowship with the Lord. I'll I'll go ahead and say this. If you don't understand um, the sweet communion and fellowship with the Lord, then you're missing out. And if you say, well, it's, it's not worth that much, then you've never had it. Because there's just something about being with the Lord and knowing that things are right between you and your Savior. Isaiah 53 probably the greatest chapter in the Old Testament. I was between Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. If you go back and read Psalm 22 about him being crushed uh, for us uh, when it comes time for for the crucifixion, I was between the two passages for this afternoon. And I want to read this, one of the greatest chapters in the, in the Old Testament about our Savior and the sacrifice that he made. And Isaiah said, starting in verse number one, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied." By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors." There is no doubt in our minds that this is speaking of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tremendous reading as we come down through about the sacrifice that Jesus has made. It is phrases like wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace, and the stripes we are healed. It's statements like that that bring the severity of what Christ went through for each and every one of us. But perhaps one that stuck out to me the most is down in verse number 12, where it says that he hath poured out his soul unto death. And I I always get the the visual about the soul of the Lord Jesus literally being poured out for each and every one of us. I want us to see this in verse number 10 as we approach the Lord's table and you say why would you read this entire chapter to partake of the Lord's table? Because I look at it this way, and this is for conviction upon my soul, because I know you're probably not dealing with this today. But when I think of and, and examine my heart and my life, and as the Holy Spirit of God would, would convict my heart maybe about a, a sin that would be there, and I read a chapter like Isaiah 53, and then ask myself the question, how in the world... Could I take any pleasure in the sins of this world with what Christ went through to pay for that sin? Well, it's just a, it's just a small sin that I can hold on to, and it's not really affecting my Christian life. I'm, I'm still faithful to church. I, I still read my Bible. I, I still spend time in prayer. We still gather together as a family. It's just a small sin. It's not affecting anything. How could I take pleasure in any sin 
when God himself took pleasure in pouring out the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ for that small sin that we hold on to. Well, pastor, we're just human, and I understand that. I don't think that's an excuse because it ought to bring conviction every time, and there ought to be a short account of our sin in our lives so that we don't have as much to confess, repent of, and to get right. But I want you to see this because we read about the death of Christ and the suffering and the sacrifice here in Isaiah chapter 53, and I want to come back to verse 10 and just see this because I believe if... I believe we've got a church that's desiring to live for the Lord. I, now, I, I'm not as naive thinking our church is perfect. So if you think our church is perfect, then you're probably going to have to find another one um, that's more perfect than we, because we're not. You know why? Because our church is made up of sinners. And we understand that. But I believe we've got a church that I believe overall, I believe is desiring to live for the Lord. We want to exalt Christ. We want to put him first in our lives. I believe as an assembly, we desire to uh, put him first and seek first the kingdom of God. I believe that. And so I believe we're desiring to be right. To the best of my knowledge, there's not a, not a bunch of open sin I will say this, if if we do know there's open sin, then the right thing to do is we'll, we'll be coming to talk to you about it. That's the right thing to do, isn't it? To restore such a one. I don't believe we have a lot of that. I don't believe there's a lot of adultery taking place and people cheating on each other throughout the church. Is that, a, am I right on that? It, it, an amen right now would be wonderful, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that, I mean... I don't believe we have a bunch of people going out on Friday night getting drunk, not remembering where they're at on Saturday morning. I don't believe you're, you're shooting up and snorting up. Thank you. Amen. Help me out here now, okay? I don't believe that's taking place in our church. I don't know what you gossip about, so anyway. I don't know what unforgiveness is in hearts to be able to get right. So I believe this. I believe when we come to this time in our service to be able to partake of the Lord's table. It's not a 45-minute message against sin that needs to be preached. But I was reading Isaiah 53, and I think we can take some time when things are right to rejoice in the sacrifice of the Lord. But then also, I believe we see it here in verse number 10, we can rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord. And in verse number 10, he says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief... When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Now listen, everything that just happened in verse number 10 is the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ went through for each and every one of us. But look at this next phrase. He shall prolong his days. I believe that we can make the application here that the sacrifice that the Lord made and he and God was pleased with that and he suffered and bled and died and that satisfied the Lord and God said, I'm going to prolong his days. In other words, I'm raising him from the dead. That, that, that sacrifice was sufficient. 
The stamp and the seal of approval for the sacrifice of sin was none other than the resurrection of our Savior from the dead. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Well, aren't you thankful that God saw the sacrifice and God chose to prolong the days of the Lord Jesus Christ? And guess what? His days are still prolonged today. He's still alive and well. In fact, Hebrew says that he ever liveth. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father to be able to make intercession for each and every one of us. Aren't you thankful for that? Prolonged his days. You see, there's a day that's coming. Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper, he said this would be the last time that that we partake of it until I partake of it in the kingdom with you. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? And I firmly believe this. I believe that we're going to get to the kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ in the millennial reign. And I just wonder if that's the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we're just going to sit down with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to say, I told you I'd take of it again. Do you know what Jesus was prophesying at that moment? This is the last time I'm partaking of it until I partake in the kingdom. He said, listen, I'm going to the cross. And I'm going to suffer and bleed and die. They are going to bury me. He already prophesied it. Destroy this temple. Three days later, I'll raise it up. He's going to be alive. In order for him to be able to partake, when it comes time in the new Jerusalem, excuse me, in the millennial reign, when it comes time for that, guess what? He had to be alive to be able to do it. But then that was already said all the way back in the book of Job, wasn't it? that he was going to see his Savior, and in the latter days his, his Savior was going to stand upon the earth, and Job already believed in the resurrection. He said, though worms destroy this body, that in my flesh I'll see him. And boy, I'm thankful for it. So can I say this? Not so much as, listen, if there's sin in your life, let not this moment pass by you of confessing that, forsaking that, getting right, having your relationship right with the Lord. I want that to be I want that to be said. But if it's right with the Lord, let's rejoice in our soon coming king that the Lord Jesus Christ alive and well will return for his bride. Isn't that a blessing? And there's going to come, and I have the notes in my other Bible from one of the times we partook of communion, and I wrote the notes in the side of the Bible that said this could be the last time. Could be the last time. Now, think about that. Can you imagine? And I I despise when preachers say, lend me your imagination for a few moments because it means they're getting ready to get outside the Bible. (laughs) Okay, if you have to start imagining a bunch of stuff. But can you imagine as we partook of communion today, as you partake of that little wafer, can you imagine if we saw the Lord Jesus Christ at that moment? I mean, at that moment, this do, in remembrance of me, we're face-to-face in the sky. Boy, that'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? I don't think I'd regret not being able to take communion here on this earth. I think it would be okay just to see him face-to-face and be able to say, you know, here's what we were getting ready to do, but can you just show me the sacrifice you made? And he just goes like this and and shows his nail-pierced hands. And maybe like it is with what he said to Thomas and say, go ahead and thrust your hand in my side. 
That's where they put the spear in. Can you imagine being able to see that face to face with Christ my Savior?